0: Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. During these episodes we will invite guests onto our show and discuss everything token related. You can expect to hear about token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance but also about mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure you subscribe and keep listening. And now on to the episode. First of all thank you all for being here. Um, I just realized it's my first time since two years that I'm standing in front of an audience again, so that always makes me a bit nervous, but I'll do my best. So to give you a short introduction about myself, my name is Marlene Um I'm the CEO of Exchange, uh, and I've been a FinTech entrepreneur since 2009 already, so that's quite a, it's quite a while. Um, I actually um, own three um, digital asset trading platforms, all privately owned, um, starting with Gold Republic, which we started in 2010, where we digitize um, ownership in physical gold, silver, and platinum. Um, the audience of Gold Republic is about 50,000 uh, investors, uh, owning about 350 million in billion in uh, stored in vaults all over the world. And that basically um, is a real-time, Uh, dvp settlement uh, platform um, that goes on 24 7 where people um, yeah started investing and we started this already in 2010 so this was all pre-blockchain time frame and um, there couldn't be a more centralized platform than gold republic because we have overview of everything we have overview of what is stored in the vault we have overview of the cash um, uh, so the overview of the assets of the cash um, what we don't do is we don't store it ourselves because we always need a third party um, basically verifying that the actual asset is stored in the vault and is safe. And we are 100% transparent. Um, any investor can always log into our administration and verify which bars they own, what the bars, which bars the other investors own and what the total is of what is stored in the vault. Um, Moving on from there, we also have Bondex. Um, Bondex, uh, we have recently acquired Bondex. It's a SaaS solution for companies that want to raise capital. Whether it's debt or equity, and uh, they use it. And a good example is uh, Bierbrouwerij Frontaal, a small brewery in uh, Breda, I think. And um, I think uh, about a month ago, they raised $5 million, um, in their local community with a bit over... 4,000 investors, Um, and you can imagine that if you have 4,000 shareholders uh, being a small beer brewer, you need some liquidity, and um, Bondex is a non-regulated entity, so luckily we have an exchange um, that can provide a market to these small investors. An exchange as a brand itself um, is a platform that we're going to talk about today. Um, what do we want to do with an exchange? So, once you get through that whole cycle of permits, regulation, IT, uh, making sure that you can offer a product, um, you need to start thinking about, yeah, what does the investor in the end want? And especially in this time frame where there's high inflation, um, a young, a new de- generation coming up, um, very efficient uh, capital markets already, so. What value do we actually add to the market? Um, So we chose impact. Um, Because especially in impact, there are not a lot of good financing solutions um, in the current capital markets. Because you speak about highly innovative products, often new developed, new startup companies. And well, one word, difficult to fund. Um, So we think that we can add value over there. Um, And we want to add value by offering it to a broader public. Um, We are regulated, so we can offer it to professional investors, but we can also offer it to any retail investor who would be interested in impact investing. Impact investing is super broad. Um, There are 17 SDGs, so you basically can almost shuffle everything on impact. But with the new technology, you can create more than purely the financial value to an asset so looking into uh, looking into the future you can basically create green ratings or green audits uh, to an asset and that was uh, why i was very interested in um, um, basically the the nft because it's um um, we do for example a a project with Catena. but what if you can drill down your financing of an asset to one solar cell one just one item um super interesting, but uh, you have to think about your audience and you can think of very creative um, uh, investment classes, but that doesn't mean that there is immediately an audience. That's something that you need to build up. So we started with three themes. Startups, uh, one, because there's no investment climate in the Netherlands uh, for financing startups, early, early stage startups. Um, two green bonds, um, which we already have uh, um, listed one of them and we're gonna reissue uh, more bonds and uh, three SMEs. Do we issue this like in, a, in, a, in a, yeah, a, a market kind of way? No, we see ourselves more as a FinTech and our secondary market is just the oil in the machine, but it, it's, it's basically we, we structure our own products together with issuers, so we have an ongoing offering of these products, and there's always something on the shelf. We believe in diversification, so you would, in the future, for sure, would never invest in only one startup. You always would invest in a basket of startups, or in a basket of green bonds, or in a basket of um, small, medium-sized loans. Some token myths. (laughs) I have been um, active in this world for for quite some years now. And I want to go through them. It's super small, so I'll I'll read them out. Uh, Different uh, legislation applies to tokenized securities as opposed to traditional securities. Well, that's a myth for sure. You just need to adhere to the securities law, and that's what you have to deal with. Tokenized securities provide easy access to capital. No way. (laughs) You can create the most beautiful tokenized security, and then nobody wants it. Um, So then there is no capital that wants to buy your tokenized security. Um, tokenized securities do not know borders. They do because they are securities and that means you need to adhere to the law and that is um, um, arranged, um, for example, um, by European regulators. Um, The cost to raise capital capital through an STO are significantly lower. I had an interesting conversation with Johnny about that. Um, In my opinion, I I, I, I kind of have a hard way of thinking why an IPO on Euronext is so amazingly expensive because if you look at what someone needs to go through it's, it's more the advisory cost and the whole preparation of the IPO but eventually listing that asset to the exchange that's not the most expensive thing so it's whether you're a small or a large company the cost to um, structure an offering IPO um, it's kind of similar, but if you are a larger company, um, your whole financial uh, statements, et cetera, that's just more complex and that's why it would cost more. You have your investment banks that need to uh, need also t- uh, need to have a share in the pie, so I don't see this one uh, as being significantly lower. Um, tokenized securities can always be traded on the secondary market. Um, if that secondary market is a regulated market, yes, that's the case. If it's not regulated, then the tokenized security is not allowed to be traded over there. Um, The regulators do not like the use of DLT in the capital markets. Well, I can speak out of experience that is not the case. They're super interested, and it will make their life a lot more easier if we would apply this. The thing is that it's just not that easy. But at least my experience is that we have very good conversations, very good relationships with the regulator, and they're so extremely creative and smart um, about this this area. Um, Illiquid assets become liquid by tokenizing them. If you have a market, or if you provide liquidity, um, that doesn't mean that everybody is (laughs) suddenly going to trade the asset. Um, So an illiquid asset is an illiquid asset. Is that a problem? Not necessarily. Um, Fractional ownership was not possible up until now. also that's not the case. Um, we can already offer fractional ownership in just traditional shares. so we are not exis- necessarily doing anything new. We still have to adhere to the Financial Supervision Act um, to the Securities gyro Transfer Act um, and but we can use the technology um, in a whole new way and we can. We can be a lot more efficient using this new way of technology. So if you talk about security tokens or tokenized securities, it seems like just semantics, but I think that we speak about tokenized securities. So what are exactly the added value? What could be the added value of tokenized security? Um, One thing is for sure, it's a 24-7 DVP settlement. because. If everybody has access to the same database or the same administration, you can do instant and real-time settlement, and that will um, significantly decrease the market risk. Um, radical decentralization. We currently have a um, an offering going on on an exchange where investors can participate in a basket of 90 startups, and um, approximately. Um, I would say in the first tranche, which was recently closed, uh, I think over 400 small investors participated alongside with the qualified investors. Um, But can you imagine what would happen once this is now listed to exchange and people can start trading in it? So having these small investors and seeing that this this interest is growing over day, every day we do more subscriptions to this this offering, um, that would definitely help um, not only the investors, but also the issuers, it's easier to communicate with a large, well, in my opinion then, uh, with a large base of investors than having one large investor that has control of you. Um, knowledge sharing. Um, definitely something that, that we see. We see the discords, we see all the communities, we see the channels. Um, that's, if you compare that to the old investor relations, uh, um, well, one telephone number—I don't know—in the left corner of uh, um, of a website. Now you can just share your information with everybody else who is there. Transparency—we well, we multiply uh, discussed it. Regulation: Why are we so against regulation? Um, we want to trade in a fair and orderly, orderly market. And um, regu- the, the, regu- yeah, the law just came out of all the things that went wrong in the past. So why not use that regulation as a basis for developing software? Um, and pan-European. So we don't need to think about Euronext Amsterdam anymore. Um, once we have more tokenized securities exchanges, then at least when in Europe we can frictionally, frictionless Trade our securities on different, in different countries within Europe. So, once we all have this, um, yeah, this whole tokenization thing. Um, is it a digital asset? Is it a security? Well, in my opinion, it's just a means to an end. In the end, it's just a business model that counts. Does your investor or does your audience want what you offer through the token? Uh, if they don't, you don't have a business model, and you don't have a reason for existence. So the added value of, um, um, of uh, yeah, so, sorry, now I have to switch off next generation capital, something we already started a year and a half ago. Um, oh, two years ago already. Um, that's what always makes me nervous, is these processes take so extremely long. Um, first use case. First of the one of the three use cases that we have set up with um, two tokens. Why do I like two tokens so much? Because we're talking about real life use cases. We have to deliver something at the end of the year. And we um, have basically grouped together and thought of how we could apply DLT financing to efficiently finance startups or ventures. And um, there were a couple of, of, of musts or ni- very nice to have. Uh, diversification of assets, uh, community ecosystem financing, uh, um, a good financing method, um, uh, frictionless tradability and standardization for sure. Um, it's so otherwise becomes so expensive to list something to, to a market. So uh, we thought about, okay, what can we do to standardize uh, assets? Um, And we thought about, okay, we need to scout ventures. Um, We need to kind of create um, a passport. And based on that passport, based on those assets, um, we created a a term sheet, which we can then list to an exchange based on the financial instruments that we would offer in the venture. Uh, All underneath one umbrella, uh, prospectus and suddenly we have standardized onbo- the whole onboarding of the assets and from there on we went to building what we now call the vertical um, and what is a vertical a vertical is a virtual basket of theme-based uh, group of assets in this case startups but it could be anything could be different loans it could be scale-up companies um, that are all in the same theme and all in the same area. Um, And you can see it as a fund, but it's not a fund, because it's a direct uh, investment in all the underlying assets that make part of this virtual basket. Um, The vertical is managed by a program manager, um, and that is some of the fun, some of the tasks that a traditional fund manager has are filled in by the program manager, because you still need to select and scout and monitor the assets, and that is the role of the program manager. So in our case, in the case of startups, we chose the accelerators to become the program managers because they have they came up in the past ten years and they are very qualified in going through those thousands and thousands of startups that are created on an annual basis, but between 100,000 and 150 startups are set up um, worldwide. So to make sure that you get the right startups in your basket, even if it's diversified, you still need to make sure that you have a qualified player doing that for you. Um, And then we build the vertical. So the vertical looks a little bit like this. the investor could be either uh, institutional, professional, or retail. Um, and based on the order mandate, they invest. And that could be in equity, in debt, or in senior debt. And through an exchange that goes equi- equally diverse, um, equally uh, spread it out over the ventures that take part of the vertical. The vertical is managed by the program manager, and for that, the ventures pay a fee. Um, oh this is interesting, I'll do that, um, so the vertical is bundled investment officer, um, uh, offer, it's standardized documentation, um, the investment is always equally distributed over the uh, multiple startups and um, yeah the ideal vir- uh, value of a vertical is ab- approximately 20 to 25 million because then you can get into the range of the uh, professional investors. Um, there's a stage gate funding mechanism with an automated uh, settlement once a venture reaches a milestone. And um, startups uh, in the vertical um, can be funded in, in, different, in a hybrid way of funding. So a com- combination can be made between equity and debt. And an investor can only invest in the vertical, in the primary market, but they can um, uh, trade the separate assets in the secondary market. And this is a way in the future, because all the assets are labeled, to build your own kind of verticals. So suppose you have an impact vertical, but you are only interested in the health companies um, uh, part of the vertical. Then you can make um, a selection of the health companies and build your own kind of vertical. And not unimportantly, also the vertical can be traded on the exchange. So if you, wanna, if you wanna keep the vertical together, uh, especially with startups, it uh, usually takes a little bit longer before they start um, creating value. They can also offer the whole vertical on the exchange. It looks a little bit like an ETF, but it's not. It looks a little bit like a fund, but it's not. It's just a direct investment in underlying assets. So we have the program manager. We already spoke about that. Oh. Um, so the program managers really focus on selecting and monitoring uh, the assets, uh, making sure that policies and governance and documentation is standardized, um, but has a very important role in the progress moni- monitoring of the ventures. Because if you give a million and a half or two million to a startup straight away from the beginning, that's not a smart idea. You need milestones when, the, um, that, vertical, oh sorry, when that startup um, Um, basically goes to a gate and then funding can go to the startup and uh, shares can go to the investors Um, so for the founders this is much much uh, like if you look at the typical founder they're busy with raising capital like over 80 percent of their time so now they only have to focus on reaching those milestones and then they trigger a new investment Um, the legal structure because you probably are interested in that. Um, and I'll just give a few of them. So, what do we do? We don't have ventures up front. We don't have 30 or 60 or 90 ventures, ventures up front. Um, also, to get the standardization and whole documentation up front, that's also very difficult. So what we do is we create a capital raise in 30 specs. And those 30 specs are Um, structured in a way we like them to be structured basically as publicly listed companies so what we do at moment t T is zero is we do a capital raise where we do an IPO for 30 30 specs but we have 31 icing codes 30 for the separate uh, assets and a 31st icing code for the vertical itself Um, the Treasury Um, the treasury of the the spec basically holds the shares until they get settled uh, when getting to a milestone. The whole documentation is structured up front that there's a tag-along to protect the investors, but there's also a drag-along because you can imagine that these early-stage startups, they might get acquired either by a private equity company or by a corporate, and then they need to be bought off, off the market. In this case, still a private market. And we give preemptive rights to the investors um, to sort of get out of that death valley or valley of death uh, from all the venture capitalists waiting until the first million of profit. Um, because then at least the people that invested in the vertical have the first right to do the reinvestment. The program manager has golden share for um, important decisions as issuing shares or other things that could basically hurt the structure of the vertical. And there's real-time settlement um, uh, when the milestone is reached, triggered by the program manager. So where are we now? Phase one is completed. It was it was hard work, but it was everybody was involved, people with a technical background, people with a legal background, investor background. Um, But it is completed. Um, We know now that legally, we can offer a a vertical to the market. Uh, We also know that technically, we can offer a vertical to a market. Uh, We have the approval from the AFM that it doesn't qualify as a fund. It's very important. Um, But if we offer it like we can offer it right now, then um, it will still be the order mechanism that creates the vertical. It's basically a collection of orders. It's a program, a program trade, as we know it from the old days. So if we want to make sure that we can create that vertical and that we can trade it over multiple exchanges, we need to use tokenized. Um, we need to use DLT technology. And for that, um, for the further development of the vertical, we have uh, received a significant subsidy from Afro um, in collaboration with two tokens. So. I can definitely say being part of two tokens definitely brings something to use case as well. Um, So now we can continue in developing. So uh, phase two is for the investor adoption. Nobody understands this way of investing yet. Everybody's like, why don't you structure a fund? Well, because it's very complex to structure and manage a fund. And this creates the same benefits, but creates also more flexibility. Um, we still have to legally test the case again, um, also from a tax perspective. Um, but then, and I think we're quite done with that, but then the fun part starts with uh, Dion probably also liked. that's talking about the token economics and the technology which we're gonna use and which blockchain protocol we're gonna use for this. And um, we can do this on our own, but this would be in the benefit of the market if we also involve the CSD in this, uh, in this project. Um, so we aim for um, launching the first test vertical, so not on DLT technology yet, um, Yeah, hopefully um, straight after the summer and then have the real vertical uh, on DLT technology at the end of this year. Um, for that, we collaborate with multiple accelerators. So for example, Startup Bootcamp is, uh, is a very strong partner of us, but also YesDelft, uh, um yeah, uh, multiple uh, high-tech Excel, um, with whom we, we set up these cases, because they all run into the same issue, and that is raising capital for the startups that they have. So we're almost kicking off uh, working group two. The first working group um, involved uh, um A lot of very smart people, and I hope they would join for the second working group as well. Um, And we would have three open tables again, um, diving specifically into this subject. If you are interested in also joining the working group, um, please send me a a DM, um, because this is an open case. There's a white paper written about it, uh, and you may join. Um, uh, Or you can email me. And for the open tables, we will... um, issue a subscription uh, through to tokens and that was my thank you so much thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. that was it for today's podcast thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes if you want to get in touch with us you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org